6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Proverbs, chapters 25 through 29. He's a pessimist as someone who's always right but doesn't enjoy it. We, we sort of, you know, chuckled. He says, an optimist is someone who thinks the future is uncertain. And we all winced. And then Edward looked me right in the eye and he says, Chuck, we have to be an optimist because then we at least try. But in verse uh, 22 here, though thou shouldest bray a fool in a mortar among wheat with a pestle, yet will not his foolish depart. That's a very pessimistic view of the ability to, to improve a, fuel, a fool. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. Here is a commandment in Proverbs 27, verse 23, for accounting. We are called to stewardship. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and to look well to thy herds. All of us, as we struggle to get our checkbooks balanced, as we struggle to find out where things stand financially, whatever, need to realize that that kind of diligence is required. The Lord expects it of His stewards. For riches are not forever, and doth the crown endure to every generation. Boy, riches are not forever. There are no pockets in a shroud. These suits that the, that the, 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 the mortuaries dress you in in your coffin don't have any pockets. They say that uh, you, won't be, you can't take your riches with you. That's not true. You know how you do it? You send them up ahead. You send them up. Use your riches to get credits that will be... Whenever you go to a foreign country, you convert your currency into the currency of the country, typically before getting there. Well, you've got to do the same thing in heaven. And the way you do that is to send it up ahead, to use your riches here to get your credits there. But uh, anyway, let's move on. This is the quote that I was fumbling for, for H. by H.A. Ironside. He says, There's no hotter crucible to test a man than when he is put through a fire of praise and adulation. Interesting thought. To go on through an evil report, cleaving to the Lord and counting on Him to clear one's name, is comparatively easy, though many faint in such circumstances. But to humbly pursue the even tenor of his way, undisturbed and unlifted up by applause and flattery, marks a man as being truly with God. I've had a very interesting report recently about Rick Warren. Many people are critical of the, in some, as they perceive some of his materials as being theologically superficial and, and so forth. And, and be that as it may, one way or the other, they haven't taken the trouble to understand his lifestyle. His humility, living in the same house, driving the same car, despite the incredible wealth that's been thrust upon him by his success at publishing. 
He's paid back everything he's ever taken from the church and, and so forth. And when you examine his personal life, it says more about the man than just reading his books. The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, the goats are the price of the, are the, price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, and food for thy household, and for the maintenance for thy maiden. And these collectively, of course, are in effect alluding to good stewardship. If you're a good steward, you'll have provision. Let's get on to chapter 28. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. In college, we had a study of literature looking primarily at the role of guilt in literature. It's astonishing to see how many great dramas that we consider literary classics really are dealing with the implications of guilt, faults are earned, whatever. Literature and also psychology. Most of psychology and psychiatry deal with the effects of guilt, and they can't do anything about it. All they can deal with are the symptoms, not the cause. The great tragedy of that field of human behavior is that they can't do anything but either mask or sublimate or redirect guilt. The guilt's there. The only one that can deal with guilt is Jesus Christ. And that sounds very glib. It sounds very like a theological... Uh, cliche, as you get into it, that is the emerging truth. That's in a sense what echoes behind verse 1. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. It's amazing how people who are guilty expose themselves just because they feel guilty. Ask your law enforcement people how often someone, some case that they've closed, have given up on. guy walking off the street and confessed because he had to get it off his, he opens it by his own Confession. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. But the righteous are bold as a lion. For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. But of a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. That's straightforward too. A poor man that oppresseth the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaveth no food. Pretty descriptive. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. The rule of law. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of righteous men shameth his father. Pretty straightforward admonitions. He that by usury against un, un, and he that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Wow. Verse 9 is a heavy verse. Basically what it says, if you want God to hear you, you need to hear God first. 
He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. God's not interested in monologues. He's looking for relationships, and that implies a dialogue. Whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit, but the upright shall have good things in possession. Well, there's many examples of this in the Bible and in literature in general, where people have become victims of their own shenanigans. Perhaps the classic example is none other than Haman in the book of Esther. The gallows that he... <laughs> Somebody celebrating Purim here, right? Okay. <laughs> Whenever that name is mentioned, you're supposed to boo. Yeah, right. But uh, in, in your English translation, it speaks of gallows and so forth that for Mordecai. And of course, the gallows that he planned for Mordecai, he was the one that was condemned to them in the, in the interesting twists of that plot. It wasn't a gallows, by the way. That's a result of a poor translation. It was actually impaled, a form of crucifixion that was invented by the Persians, widely adopted by the Ro Romans subsequently. The rich man is wise in his own conceit, but the poor hath that hath understanding searcheth him out. When righteous men do rejoice, there is great glory. And when the wicked rise, a man is hidden or hides. Straightforward stuff. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. The first few have to do with politicians, obviously. But the last one is really um, an important thing. He that covereth sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Too many churches put band-aids uh, over the cancer of sin. You need to hit it head on. And not say publicly, the confession here is before the Lord. And here's where you want to jot in your notes, 1 John 1.9. That's the Christian's bar of soap. 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful. Not us. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christian's bar of soap. Happy is the man that feareth alway, but he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. As a roaring lion, as a raging bear, so is a wicked ruler over a poor people. Indeed. The prince that wandereth understanding is also a great oppressor, but he that hateth covetousness shall prolong his days. These are addressed to rulers, and yet all of us rule over ourselves, over our households, and so forth. A man that doeth violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit, let no man stay him. Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved, but he that is perverse in his ways shall fall at once. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Boy, boy, boy. God rewards honest work. But the way to get into trouble is to chase vain persons. That's good advice. Straightforward. Doesn't need amplification. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that walk that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. To have respect of persons is not good. For for a piece of bread that man will transgress. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye and considereth not the poverty that shall come upon him. 
He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with a tongue. There again, we have echoes of the same thoughts expressed earlier. Whoso robbeth his father or his mother and saith, it is no transgression, the same as the companion of a destroyer. Jesus himself rebuked the religious leaders in the New Testament period because they taught as soon as a person had said to his father's mother, it is Corban, which meant, in fact, he's dedicated what, what I was supposed to give you, I've given to God, which, uh, uh, rather than relieve your need. That was not what God's intended was. They'd, they'd use some of these religious things as, a, as, a, as an excuse not to do their obligations to their parents. And that's what he's re, re, you know, rebutting there in Matthew 15, Mark 7, it comes up. And uh, so, fair enough. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up, uh, up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. I don't think that's my excuse, but anyway, okay. Uh, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. That's quite a commitment. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. That's graphic, direct, doesn't require amplification. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. Well, let's get to the last chapter for tonight. He that, being, he that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. In other words, we should be open to reproof. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. We've all experienced that. We've all been in situations that are destroyed by uh, inappropriate leadership stepping in. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoices the Father. But he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. And the prodigal son is an example, and there are many others. The king by judgment establisheth the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthrows it. He's talking about bribes here. He's talking about bribes. And uh, so all of these here, Echo, um, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, even Belshazzar, and Jezebel, Jezebel, others, and so forth. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet, that is neighbor's feet. Flattery is a trap. In the transgression of an evil man there is a snare, but the righteous doth sing and rejoice. The righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. Again, echoing the previous sentiments. Scornful men bring a city into a snare. But wise men turn away wrath. The wise man contendeth with a foolish man, neither he rage or laugh, there is no rest. Whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. Contending with a foolish man. A friend of mine often says that he uh, refuses to enter a battle of wits to an unarmed, with an unarmed man. I like that. The bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. Hmm. A fool uttereth all his mind, <laughs> but a wise man keepeth it until afterwards. Well, the verse you want to remind yourself there is Proverbs 17, 28. I love this one. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can uh, not say anything and they might suspect you're a fool. If you open your mouth, you'll remove all doubt, right? If a ruler hearken to lies, all his servants are wicked. Boy, is that a surprising echo of falsehood in a leader. When he starts lying, he will surround himself with the wicked. We've seen that happen in the highest office of the land. The poor and the deceitful man meet together. The Lord lighteneth both their eyes. The king that faithfully judges the poor, his throne shall be established forever. The king that faithfully judged the poor, his throne shall be established. That's quite a statement. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. How important it is to have the strength of character to dis discipline children. One of the most frightening things about America as I travel is to watch people traveling with their kids, and it's clear they have no concept of discipline with those kids. When the wicked are multiplied... Transgression increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. And this is, next one is a very oft-quoted one. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I use that text. When I did it, I was chairman of Western Digital, and we established a plant in Cork, Ireland, County Cork. And it was quite an experience to put a major plant in a foreign country the Lord Mayor, top hat, all dressed up. Around his neck was a chain and a huge seal, about three feet in diameter. It was about 800 years old. And they had, they had the Anglican priests and the Catholic priests there and so forth. And uh, they were startled, I could tell in their face, they were startled when the American CEO dedicating the plan opened up with a Bible verse. <laughs> Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I went on from that springboard. It was a fun time. Anyway. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. A servant shall not be corrected by words, for though he understand, he will not answer. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. That's quite a condemnation. To be hasty with words. Hasty with words. He that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. That's interesting. A faithful servant obviously often becomes a major, an heir in the family. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth, aboundeth in transgression. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Whoso is partner with a thief hateth his own soul. He heareth cursing and bewrayeth it not. Boy, we must not be guilty of that, any of us. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Very straightforward. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. It's important for us to realize that God is in control. Boy, does that allow you to be an adventurer, because you know that God is in control, as long as you're not uh, going against him. An unjust man is an abomination to the just. An unjust man is an abomination to the just. And he that is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. There is good and evil. 
Our society tries to deny the existence. They say it's all relative nonsense. There is good and evil. There is right and wrong. And they are at enmity against one another. We need to understand that. Or we indeed are fools. Well, that closes the texts that we have taken on for ourselves. But I want to remind you of a project that I hope you've started. Let me just review it a little bit. And that's to create a log. Actually take a journal, preferably numbered from 1 to 31, so you have, a, in effect, a page for each day. And what you do in month number one, what I want you to do is read each morning the chapter for that date. If it's the third... The third of the month, you read chapter three. If it's the fourth of the month, each day from one to thirty-one, you read that chapter in the morning. And what you, in the evening, then, before retiring, you go back to that chapter and find the verse that proved to be the most relevant for your day. One of those verses, I suspect, will emerge as being principal for your day. Jot it down. In the second month, I want you to do the same thing. Do exactly the same thing. And what you're going to discover, I think, your personal discovery will be, the most relevant will have been tailored to your specific day. In other words, each day it'll be different. And you'll begin to understand the supernatural structure of the book of Proverbs. There isn't a chapter, really, on a particular topic. Here and there there's some emphasis, but it's almost a hodgepodge of different ideas, many of them similar in different chapters, saying the same thing a different way. But try it personally and see what the Lord does. See what the Holy Spirit does with that. And I think you'll find it illuminating. Now, we've just finished chapters 25 through 29. We have two chapters left. In the next session, we're going to focus on chapter 30, because we have one more final one to wrap up chapter 31 and maybe do a summary of the whole book. And, uh, but the point is, in your, for your next session... Your assignment is to read the next two chapters, just two. We're not dealing with five now, we're dealing with two. Proverbs 30 and 31. But here's your assignment. I want you to summarize for yourself any insights that you can draw from the first few verses. That's your challenge. You say, well, gee, that's not hard. These things are so obvious. There's here and there in the book of Proverbs a couple that are probably a little twisty, but in general, they're, they're pretty straightforward to preach from, right? Well, let's take a look at the first few verses. The words of Agur, the son of Yake, even the prophecy, the man spake unto Ethiel, even unto Ethiel and Ukal. Really? My goodness. Surely I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding of a man. What does that mean? I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the holy. So why am I reading you? What's this all about? Study that. And when you come next time, be prepared for a surprise that may become the primary gem out of the entire book that you will not find in any commentary I've been able to find but I have satisfied myself that it is on sound ground. It was pointed, to, pointed out to me by a rabbi. And I double-checked on this, and it's, it's going to be fun. So I will see you next time. Let's stand for a closing word of prayer.
The challenge for all of us from this book and our studies, it's time for each of us to start taking our faith seriously. For many of us, we tend to get in routine. We tend to get comfortable in a certain way. But this is a time for all of us to re-examine our priorities, to really think through how important is Jesus Christ, the Word of God, and all that in our lives, day by day, moment by moment. Increase our commitment to prayer. Take seriously the opportunities to study the Word and search out what God is calling you to do. Let's bow our hearts. Father, we just praise you for who you are. We stagger as we begin to understand that you care so much for each of us to give us your word and to give us your word incarnate in Jesus Christ. To have gone to such extremes that we might have access to you. We just thank you, Father, for these incredible gifts and opportunities. But Father, we would ask that you would just increase in each of us a hunger and an appetite for your word, that through your Holy Spirit you would illuminate that word, that we might discover specifically what it is you'd have of each of us so that your purpose would be accomplished in each of our lives. Not by power nor by might, but by your Spirit, Father. That we might be more fruitful stewards of the resources and the opportunities that are in front of us. That we might be faithful stewards, fruitful stewards. As we commit ourselves this night without any reservation into your hands, in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Proverbs. Download the K-House TV app to access an ever-growing collection of free resources. Visit the iTunes or Android app store. Or search K-House TV on your Roku streaming device. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.